0: So, uh, yeah, we we got stuff that we need to talk about and whether people are here or not, unfortunately, we got to do it. So uh, I can't say we're calling this meeting to order because we are official, but um, but we are going to start going through agenda items. And if we get enough people to have a quorum, then we can officially call and do the roll call, go through minutes, all that jazz.
1: I think I think even without quorum, I think we'll go ahead and do those initial parts: the okay. rules of the meeting and, and the roll call. If that's all yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that part. The rules of engagement, at least, roll call. You know, whatever we know who's on the call. But um, yeah, let's go through rules of engagement.
2: All right. Um, good evening. My name is Andrea Lynch, Transit Planner One, Lawrence Transit. Uh, with me here is Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. He will work alongside Mike Wozikowski to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and the public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. Um, and I will do roll call. Um, Lance Fay Here. Austin Stiffler Here. Mike Wasikowski. Present. Foster Speisinger.
3: I do not see them on the call.
2: Alan Ackland.
3: Do not see them on the call.
2: Gregory Critchlow. <coughs>
3: Do not see them on the call.
2: Bill Wilson.
0: Uh, Here Present.
2: August Rudisell.
3: Already told us he would not be attending.
2: And Freddie Gipp.
4: Not present.
3: Okay, so that's... Uh, myself lance
0: austin and bill that's four of us so if another person comes then we officially have a quorum and we can officially do business and make votes but for the time being we are not an official meeting so that means that we will not be able to do the minutes which we have um that said the next item on the agenda is public comment Uh, I did see JT Thornberg, you're on the line, Uh, if you have anything you would like to uh, talk about,
3: you can have up to three minutes, I believe. If not, then
4: happy to proceed. Okay, and uh,
0: thank you to whoever was in the office controlling the camera and let me see that there's nobody in the uh, meeting room asking for public comment so we can uh, proceed. The uh, first item on our agenda is uh, an update to the bus stop improvement program in particular technical guidelines. And Adam, you have some slides to show us.
1: Yeah, we'll have uh, Felice from our team give a presentation here. Hi Felice. Hey everybody. Not
0: used to seeing you on that side of the uh, dime.
1: (laughs)
5: Yes, special presentation for today. Um, Felice Laverne, Transit Planner 2. I'll be speaking to you today about our bus stop improvement program update. This is an update of our 2015 guidelines. And uh, those can be found on the bus stop improvement program project page of our website. And let me get the screen sharing going. Okay. Good. Good. Great. Okay, so we recognize the community's desire for better bus stops and have been working hard towards that goal for the past few years. This is part of our process to formalize our plan and to get feedback on it from the community. The full plan is attached to the agenda for your review, and this presentation is just an overview of its major sections. We'll also show you our draft survey and go over any questions or feedback you have for us. So this guide serves multiple purposes. We use it to guide our planning processes, it contains technical details we use for design and installation and to give the public a sense of what we're working towards in terms of accessibility and comfort. Right now we have almost 400 bus stops across the city, 48% are ADA accessible, 17% have shelters, 14% 14% have benches and 6% have
3: bike racks. Uh, just out of
0: curiosity on that previous slide. Do we have a total number of improved bus stops like that have any of those four?
5: <laughs> any of those four?
0: Yeah, like it, it <laughs> has a boarding pad or it has mm-hmm. a shelter. Some, some measure of improvement beyond we put down a sign. I'm just curious if we have those numbers. Yes.
5: Yeah, we have a graph a little later. And then each of these stops, each of these numbers here are the total number we have out in the field. So 180, 88 boarding pads, 63 shelters.
3: Yeah, let me Mm -hmm.
0: clarify. What I was asking is more, I'm I'm assuming that some of them have both a shelter and a bench and a bike rack. So you couldn't just add up numbers to say that there are uh, X number of these because it's not a straight addition.
5: That's fair. All all shelters have benches. The bench number that you see here is benches alone. And then okay. you're right, the bike racks and the ADA is dispersed.
4: Okay. Thank you.
5: Sure. So each year we have $150,000 for bus stop improvements. With this, we purchase amenities, pay for design work, and for the concrete we install at each improved site. With our current capacity, we can do about 20 to 30 stops a year. We also do our best to coordinate with other departments and projects on bus stop improvements, these are ways we can stretch our operational budget, including ensuring bus stops are part of other street or sidewalk projects and applying for local state or federal grants that could increase our number of stops improved in a given year. We balance many things when planning for bus stop improvements, some of the larger efforts we're focused on include working towards system-wide ADA accessibility, and with the second point, we mean that we want to get folks as close to a bus stop as possible, balanced with the fact that the more bus stops there are, the harder it is to keep routes on time. Our third goal involves a model we've developed that's inclusive of many data points, and this helps us remain objective while planning for stop improvements. And finally, as much as possible, we want our stops to reflect the personality of Lawrence and be a positive part of the streetscape. We've done some exciting projects over the past few years, which we've highlighted in our presentation, and we're open to partnerships with the community going forward. At our current rate of installing 20 to 30 amenity improvements a year, it will take us 15 years to reach full ADA accessibility at all stops. And since 2019, we've made 33 more stops accessible. And at this rate, it'll take three to five years to add seating at all stops with 10 or more riders a day. And this doesn't take into consideration years where we might receive grant funding to do additional projects. And also of note, our total number of stops can fluctuate as routes change. And it's normal for the number you see here at the top to go up and down. I wanted to touch a little more on our model here. It's GIS based and that's how we manage our bus stop inventory. And with its many data inputs, it gives us a rank ordered list of stops that are high priority for improvement. It doesn't tell us what amenities should go at each stop because that can be very context specific. For example, even if ridership is lower, we're likely to put a shelter at stops by senior In this blue box, you can see all the inputs we use, and you can see that we use ridership, but also a transportation disadvantage score as well as an equity score. And this provides a balanced approach that prioritizes stops that serve our most disadvantaged populations for improvement. This model shows us where we might improve stops and the next slide will touch on how we decide what amenities to install. Right now, our amenity strategy is a hybrid approach that includes installing shelters and benches and making ADA improvements to about 20 to 30 stops per year. This is one piece of what we're asking the public about in our survey because there are different approaches we could take. And what you're seeing in this table, 10 passengers a day for a bench, 25 plus for a shelter. Um, Those are not 100% prescriptive. We need some structure to help us have a conversation um, about choosing what amenities, but we also want to look at the context of each stop to guide us, including how much space there is in the right-of-way, who's likely to use the stop, is it near a grocery store? Many things might encourage us to upgrade what could be a bench site to a shelter. This chart is just a breakdown of what's possible at each bus stop, and it also gives the spatial requirements for each type of improvement. So you can see that included as well. And those spatial requirements also affect cost with different sizes of concrete. From planning to design to implementation, it takes us about a year for an amenity to be installed. We choose the stops determine the amenities and placement and send that to an engineer to make construction drawings. This helps us ensure ADA accessibility and site longevity. Contractors then bid on these designs and create a construction schedule and MSO and transit staff manage these projects and Parks and Rec has been helping us with amenity installation. We wanna hear what folks think about this plan. We'll be seeking feedback during October and November on the bus platform and on Lawrence Listens. So now I can show you some of our draft survey questions and we've put this together to help understand public expectations. We think we've, we're asking the right questions, but we are interested to know your thoughts to help us finalize this survey. We're hoping to get it out to the public soon to get feedback before the holidays. As a reminder, the survey is self-selected and we want to get perspectives from riders and non-riders. So our major question, this one, is asking about our amenity installation approach. We hear from different folks that there should be seating at every bus stop or that we should only be installing shelters. For example, we often see plastic chairs at stops that have one or two riders per day. And this question starts to help us understand what overall expectations are. So as we've discussed, we're using the hybrid model right now of installing benches and shelters, with each of those sites also being brought up to ADA standards. And with that, our seating goal could be accomplished in three to five years, and accessibility in 15. So each of these options is here in a rank-ordered format This is just showing you that you can hover over and get more information. And then you put these in the order that you'd like. So the other options we're presenting are a shelter only model where we could do half as many improvements a year based on the cost of the shelters. So with that, our seating goal could be accomplished in seven to 10 and accessibility in 30. And then we also are showing an accessibility first model. And with this, we could focus on bringing all stops up to ADA standards much more quickly than the hybrid model without focusing on seating, And that would take three to five years. So that's our main question. And then next we have other questions that'll help us prioritize um, different aspects of our amenity plan. We have these. Kinds of shelters out in the field now and we're really interested to see what folks think of each option in different seasons and let them tell us how comfortable they are. This will really inform what we put out in the future. Then we have some general comment boxes here and We are going to link to the amenity plan document. It'll also be in the introduction so folks will see it before and then they'll see it when they get here. this survey will be open for 30 days and if you have feedback for us in general if you'd like to take the survey lawrence listens would be the spot for that and we also have a spot in the amenity plan waiting for survey responses so you'll see that if you look at the plan so we'll go seek feedback and then put that information into the plan itself and then one last thing before we get into questions and comments i wanted to show you the amenity project page on the website. So this is our new website and we're constantly working to update and improve these project pages. So this will be kind of the one stop shop for places you need to go to find out information about our projects. You'll see that same information I shared with you here. You'll see upcoming milestones, our current in progress work, and then our past work. Okay comments, questions, we can look at the survey, or we can look at the presentation.
3: I'll open
0: it uh, first to, well, members of the public. Uh, JT, you're on the line. Uh,
4: JT, you have an opportunity to speak now if you want one. Okay,
3: hearing nothing. Uh, Austin, Bill, Lance, you guys have any comments, questions, concerns?
4: Looks like this is comprehensive. This is Bill Wilson, sorry. It looks
0: comprehensive and uh, should provide some good feedback. I'm glad it's to riders and non-riders and
4: um, it'll be good to see if we can get some participation on that.
3: Thanks, Bill. Uh, Austin, you had something?
6: Yeah, this is Austin Stifler, um, BTAC member. I think it looks pretty good. Definitely think that kind of focusing on accessibility um, would be positive there. As that 15-year time frame, just kind of uh, as it stands, is a little lengthy. Um, if we can kind of do some things to streamline that, it would be helpful. Um, also, think that the community involvement in terms of um, improved bus stops um, has been a pretty good addition to this process.
3: Thank you, uh, Lance. Do you have anything? Nope. Perfect,
0: uh, only question I had is when we're soliciting non-riders, is there a particular perspective of non-riders that we're looking for to answer this question like are we looking for uh, people who might be interested in riding the bus? Are we looking for people who uh, have no desire to ride the bus but want a thriving bus system anyway? I'm curious what perspective or what personas we're looking for to respond to
3: this.
5: I think we're open to hear what the community thinks in general about our amenity plan. I know it affects everyone. It's a part of the streetscape. So potential riders, people who just interact with our shelters in their neighborhoods, anyone like that. We're pretty open.
1: Okay. I might jump I might jump in and say I'm particularly interested in the seating question because I do think that is an interesting one you know clearly if we um as one of the options fleece laid out if we focus on shelters only because we do hear that from some folks <clears throat>
4: our,
1: our timelines really slow way down it takes us a really long time to get through uh, improving all all the sites so i think that's a um, that's maybe something that we might see differences in how writers and non-writers feel about that we're not sure but i'm interested to see how that breaks down with the survey
0: this is bill wilson i think that's a good comment i uh, you mentioned or as mentioned earlier about the plastic seats and and uh, various other setups that some sites will have for seating and i think that's where non-riders would certainly like some input on that and um, the idea that if it went to shelters it, it, would, it would help people understand how it changes the timeline for everything and and so I think non riders are good, uh, both in terms of their observations. And then um, I'm glad it's open, I assume it has to be just because everybody's paying, paying on this, Chris. Yep. Absolutely, I, I was just more curious from the aspect of, you know, I, I think that this is useful for us to also look at people who could be interested in riding the bus if the amenities are improved. I, I don't necessarily guarantee that people like that exist in Lawrence, but uh, I would bet that there are some people on the margins who, uh, instead of seeing plastic seats and a uh, grass field that the bus stops at, might say, you yeah, know, that, that doesn't look professional, but a place that has a pad with a bench on it, they might uh, decide, well, you know, this is something that I can actually use. So if we can frame that in there, I don't know. It's just me spitballing a little bit. I think that might be something interesting to look at if we can
3: figure out a good question. Uh, Anything else from uh, anybody on the line? Okay, Uh, thank you Felice for this information. Uh, Next item on the agenda, then, is
0: an update on electric buses in Lawrence. Uh, Adam, I believe you have a presentation for us, or somebody does.
1: Yes, I'll get it pulled
4: up here. Okay, everybody seeing that presentation? All right. Um so
1: Okay, so I wanted to touch base on electric buses. We've had them deployed in the field for a little bit of time, so um give this group an idea of of how things are going and where we're headed. So our first day of running electric buses in service was August 29th. So um pushing about 6 weeks ago, we started our vehicles on Route 1 uh, with some purpose. That was the route that modeled the best. Uh, very early in the process, we modeled the size of electric vehicle, the range um, under different conditions, the topography of different routes. And Route 1 was um, the route that looked most favorable for buses to run all day in service. So uh, for, for close to a month, we ran them exclusively on that route, monitoring backends, performance data, that we get uh, from the bus and from chargers sides of of the puzzle, and um, got a good data set there. And then shifted to Route Ten. Uh, route Ten is a very different route from Route One. It runs across, uh, runs from downtown across KU's campus. A lot of stop and go traffic with all the pedestrian activity up there. Of course, the topography of going up and down the hill. And then a lot more topography along Bob Billings uh, west of campus all the way out to Wakarusa. So um, just very, you know, we're we're experimenting right now and and spending a lot of time uh, gathering information um, on different routes with with our electric buses so we can see um, how that performance changes. There are a couple of uh, general strategies I put here. One I just mentioned was, you know, getting a lot of data points on, each route, you know, several different days, different drivers. Uh, being able to see um, what changes there there might be on the backend data uh, with with different routes. Um, I mentioned here that we do prioritize uh, right now routes that go through transportation disadvantage zones. So when we think about um, you know in in general, FTA wants us to be deploying our assets in a fair way across the city. Um, you know, we, we don't put the buses in worst shapes on the routes in the poorest neighborhoods, for example. So one of our intentionalities around electric buses is trying to get them uh, into neighborhoods that uh, are transportation disadvantaged and, and giving people the benefit of that. Another strategy is just reaching different rider types. So we certainly have been moving them to different routes, but I mentioned here as well that we have been using them on the weekends as the as part of the football shuttle from downtown to the stadium. Uh, those those buses are very full of people and people who may not be regular bus riders. So getting uh, you know different people in touch with what it's like to ride an electric bus and and perhaps that um, affects people's mindset on riding the bus for other reasons in their life. Um, we have a Books on Buses program that's restarting up with the library. Uh, This is a program that we had for several years and have missed a few years through the pandemic. Uh, But this particular program gives um, some of our youngest riders in town, uh, young kids will get uh, some transportation book reading at the library. And then they get on a bus and take a short ride uh, around the downtown area uh, with their parents. So trying to use electric buses in these other ways as well uh, to reach different. Um, current rider groups and, and future rider groups, hopefully.
0: I'm really jealous that my football show on uh, Saturday was not one of the electric buses.
1: Yeah, you'll have to wait a few rounds, wait I, for the electric to roll around. <laughs> um, I have a couple slides in here. These aren't uh, real polished, you know, these are uh, images that I'm able to extract from the uh, bus performance data that we get on a backend uh, web platform. So I wanted to show you all just some of, uh, this is just the first week in service. Uh, you see August 29th on the left and uh, through September 3rd, which is a Friday. And that first day in service, we ran uh, two buses uh, close to 150 miles each uh, is what they got those days. We have been, um, we've changed our, our operations a little bit just because it's it's been more practical to swap out buses in the middle of the day when we have a driver swap. So our first driver uh, runs his bus for about uh, eight hours and close to a hundred miles. You can see on the chart there. Um, And then that bus heads back to the garage A new electric bus comes out and runs for uh, about six or seven hours and uh, maybe a little less than a hundred miles. So um, if you look at this slide compared to the next one, the next slide is about our state of charge. And you can see that we're uh, essentially running these buses down to around 50% battery, still a little bit less, maybe 40 to 50%, depending on the day and the driver and and what route it's on. So pretty conservative. Um, you know, we're we're certainly not pushing it yet. A lot of this is kind of our early data gathering phase, um, and of course we want to be, you know, more and more uh, assertive with how these buses are used. Um, of course, wanting to use as much electricity as we've already charged them up with, you know, cleaner for the um, city and quieter for the neighborhoods and all of that. But I wanted to give you a little taste of um, kind of what we're seeing early on. And these these returns are pretty good. Um, I'll back up to this range slide and just say that we need, um, depending on the route, somewhere in the uh, 160 to 180 mile uh one hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty miles is about a day's worth, complete day's worth of service on a given route. So, um, in weather that's not real bad, where uh, although we had some real hot days through here, we're we're pretty confident that our electrics can get us a full day of service, just like a diesel can um, on on certain routes. So,
0: and that is it normal for a route to have more than one bus service it over the course of a day? Yes,
1: like you, you swap uh, out. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of, um, well, I'll say it this way. A a lot of our routes have 30-minute service, and it's an hour loop. So you've got two buses operating on those routes. Um, The diesels usually do operate all day. Both of those two diesel buses would operate all day, uh, so long as they don't have some other mechanical breakdown uh, that needs them pulled from the route, which does happen. Um, So... Uh, a little bit of a caveat there but we we certainly want to run our electric buses as we do diesels you know put them out all day and not uh, have to worry about a swap thank you for that i wanted to show um you know i know we've talked about it as a group and i'm certainly happy to talk about it again a, a field trip opportunity for the group to see some of this stuff in person but wanted to bring photos at least in this setting to our charging setup out at the maintenance facility so, um, we have our buses parked along the north curb of the property. Right now, we have a one to one bus to charger ratio. So, every bus that we have has its own charger um, or, or availability to reach its own charger. We will enter into our, our zero emission transition plan process um, in the next calendar year. And, you know, right now we've got a setup that can accommodate 12 electric buses. And, you know, one to one charger to bus ratio is fine for that setting. I think we will have to start thinking about when we have 25 electric buses and we have 50, if we're working with KU towards a close to 100 vehicle fleet, we're probably not talking about a one to one charger ratio at the end of the day for, for all those buses. It's probably more of a system. So um, this may change as we move beyond the uh, pilot phase, if you want to call it that. Um but right now, I wanted to give you a sense of what that looks like out there, and i um, certainly happy if there's questions from the group about a, a field trip, we can uh, figure out the logistics of that. I think this is the last content slide, yeah. Uh, so I will just want to mention, you know, I showed you some data points. Uh, CTE, which is our project manager, uh, through all three phases of electric buses that we've won uh, through the federal government, they'll be providing us a lot more rich data sets and dashboards and PDF documents that are uh, easy for you all in the general public to digest about our performance um and emissions reductions and uh uptime of these vehicles and all that all that stuff so uh I just want to say what I've put together here is is trying to give you um you know what I have the current skills to export from our platform uh, but that we have a a team of people who are helping um, set ourselves up for a a very engaging dashboard setup where it'll be easy for uh, you all in the general public to um, see more data and it'll probably spark more questions um, about how things are going. Um, So there'll be more of that to come. That is all the content I have. I'm happy to go back to anything or answer any other questions you have. I'll go first to public. Uh
0: Anyone who is on PTAC that's on the call, including JT, anyone have any
4: comments, questions or concerns about this data? Okay, Uh, Bill, Austin, Lance, do
3: any of you have comments, questions, concerns about this?
6: Um, Austin Stifler, PTAC member here. I think that uh, the range data certainly is something that kind of ameliorates you know, kind of the question at first, uh, trying to keep the electric buses on those flatter routes because of that uncertainty. Um, I think it's definitely a good sign. Um, in addition, I will say just being on K campus, starting to see some of those buses come across Jayhawk Boulevard. Um, a lot of students kind of are looking at those with curiosity and going, oh, hey, that's pretty cool. So I definitely think that We're doing a good job getting the word out there.
3: Thanks, Austin. Bill or Lance, do you have anything? Okay, I see Bill shaking his head. No, Lance. Okay. Um,
0: Yeah, I just I want to see the setup in person because it's really cool to me. Um, Could you go back to the uh, mileage
3: charts on two and three? Or sorry, three and four, I guess.
4: So right now, you said that these routes are something
0: like 160, 180 miles across a calendar day, like from...
1: Yeah, 14-hour day, yeah, day. So roughly five to, five to eight 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm curious what the numbers are going to start looking like when the temperature dives. I, I know you mentioned that there were some hot days in here, and there definitely were, but I also know from my own experience that heat, the, the batteries work a lot better in heat than they do in cold, and it gets a real cold here, so um, I, I'm curious what this chart, This chart probably won't change necessarily, but the next one on four, in terms of percentage of charge remaining on these, uh, that's gonna be dramatically different when the temperature starts dropping like a rock.
1: So. Yeah, and I'll remind the group, um, I believe we've talked about it before, but we do on these buses and each of the next two uh, awards that we've gotten, um, as part of the low no program, you can have auxiliary, diesel heaters that help heat the cabin, uh, the area where people are actually sitting, and that can really save range um, to a degree that's that's very important to keep these buses on route for much longer. So uh, using electric heat inside the cabin, um, essentially has you pull the bus off route uh, probably within a few hours. So uh, mod- modeling wise, now we've got a lot of empirical testing to do, but modeling wise, uh, we see those um, those heaters can help us keep buses at about seventy-five percent of what they normally get range-wise, and we'll see what actually happens when we get into some some tough winter days. To your point, Mike. Um, yeah. The other thing I would allude to is we, you know, battery technology is moving very very fast. Yeah. Uh, these first buses we have are four hundred and forty-four kilowatt hours of energy. Uh, next year's two buses will be six hundred and eighty-six kilowatt hours. And then the two 40 footers that we're getting in 2024, uh, will be 738. So, you know, pretty rapidly we're, we're close to within a couple of years, close yeah. to doubling, doubling our battery capacity, which should really help us during those tough, um, tough weather days.
0: Yeah, not to mention that will help with the very hilly routes that right now we aren't really sure that these buses can do. Don't get me wrong, they can definitely handle it. But, you know, if you can only do two loops of the entire cycle before your battery needs to recharge, then it's not terribly helpful to us because that's (laughs) replacing vehicles way too much for a full operational day.
1: Yeah, we're not we're not too worried about the two loop. We'll get we'll get better performance than that. But yeah, we'll certainly keep uh, we'll keep you all on in the, in the public updated on how how things are going operationally and um, how we're moving forward. Thank you on that uh, one last opportunity.
0: Anybody
3: else who didn't speak up yet have comments, questions or concerns?
4: OK, thank you, Adam. Uh, Next item on the agenda
0: then is an update on the Central Station project, so I'm guessing you have another presentation, which I already see is open. So have
1: at it. Yep, decided not to unscreen share and rescreen share. Let's just keep it moving. Alright, so just a um, relatively quick update. Wanted to give you all a particularly timeline, an idea of where we're headed on on the Central Station project. So uh, this is the bulk of of the interesting information here. Um, We are pushing towards a uh, finalizing bid documents this month and getting those out to bid. Um, November of this year is when we'd be uh, responding to any questions from bidders, um, making an internal staff selection uh, that would then go uh, before City Commission in December. I have listed in here, we do have a couple of uh, legal documents to work through with KU Endowment and KU. Our our deadline for that would be before awarding a contract at City Commission. Um, So I put it here in December, but quite possible that those uh, could wrap up sooner. Uh, We just can't, uh, we can't not have our our legal agreements in order um, and ask the commission to.
0: Are those legal documents relating to who owns the land and the land swap stuff that we've talked about?
1: so it is related to the, to those issues yes um so uh we'll have a lease document with endowment so it is their property and uh, we will be leasing it for them from a, for a dollar a year for a long period of time and a, a agreement to maintain you know all of uh, that it's completely our responsibility and all of that um the KUMOU is more about um access and operations and and how that all works you know the uh, the responsibility of maintenance and cost and all that really is between us and endowment once that land swap is is complete um so yes we'll we'll work through those issues um we are looking at construction you know for if we're, if we're uh, awarding the contract in December uh construction beginning early next year um, targeting the fall of 23 um for Uh, for completion of the project and allowing us to implement the second phase of of route redesign. So uh, certainly um, on a timeline that's different than what we had hoped early on in the project, but are are pushing as hard as we can to keep us uh, pointed in this direction. I wanted to mention, um, similar to Felice brought up the bus stops project website, we are, uh, like she mentioned, trying to really keep on top of all of our projects and have the most up-to-date information there about status and next steps. So um, here's just a a snapshot of it, but um, on each project page, I'll try to make this a little smaller. Okay, Um, There's a status timeline next steps section that we hope is useful for uh, you all and for the public to understand um, what we expect project start and ends to be major milestones and whether or not they're completed in progress or not yet started. And then specifically, what are we uh, you know, doing for next steps on that given project? So just wanted to call that out. Um, you know, you're always welcome to uh, email or call the customer service line um, or staff to help figure these these things out. But also, this is us trying to be proactive and communicating that as um, as things change. I believe that's the end of the content for this project but again happy to um, go back to anything or answer any questions
0: thanks adam uh again open it up to uh people who are not in ptac first for comments questions concerns does
3: anyone online or in the room have anything they want to add here
4: okay uh P-TECH
3: members,
1: Austin, Biller, Lance, do you have anything <coughs> you want to ask about this? Yeah, uh, Lance Faye, Vice Chair. P-tech. Um, are you referring to fall of 2020? 2023 is August? That's our intention. Yeah. yeah. I think without we'll know specifics when we get um when we actually receive bids and award a contract, that'll include a timeline from that contractor. So with more certainty, we'll be able to say exactly what we're looking towards. But but yes, it would be our hope that aligned with what our route changes we normally do in August, that would be the right time for us to aim for.
4: Thanks, Lance. Uh, Go
3: ahead, Austin, I saw you come off mute.
6: Yeah, uh, Austin Stippler, Tech member. Um, just curious, um, are there any you know parts of this construction project that are going to entail road improvements or perhaps access ways to be able to get into the central station a little bit easier?
1: Yeah, there's certainly a lot of discussions between the city and KU on uh, the Crestline entrance and how we'll we'll make that happen. So there's still some coordination to do there, but we expect there to be improvements there. Um, And uh, that would be the primary one. There's all entrances will happen from Crestline. There will be eastbound exits onto Bob Billings. Um, There's a there's a median there and a intersection very close. uh, So we can't really do um, turns in or um, or left turns out there, but um, we'll try to disperse the traffic to keep things moving.
0: I know we've talked about the need to retime the lights there to make that stuff
1: work a little bit better, too. Yeah, we're in coordination with our folks in MSO um, on everything we need to do to make sure uh, it is smooth getting in and out of that whole area. Terrific. Thanks
4: for
6: the update, y'all.
3: Thank you, Austin. Uh, Bill, do you have anything you want to ask about this? Okay. Um, I I really
0: don't, I'm not surprised that the timeline slid a little bit, it's kind of inevitable with projects, especially knowing for the last six months we've been dealing with impossible to predict costs of construction and ability to get people who can actually do construction. Um, So whatever the reasons for the delay, it's hard hard to know exactly. I'm glad that we have this ongoing. Um, do we know exactly when it, the uh, bid is going to go out yet?
1: We don't have final dates yet for October, but we're we're trying to get it out this month.
3: Okay, yeah.
1: So that's is you know that'll be yet another thing updated on our um, on our project page um, when those go out. Uh, that'll be uh, we have each of these milestones is tied to documentation related to that milestone. Mm-hmm. So you know certainly all those bid documents will be public but at that when they actually go out to bid and when they are I think we'll pull out the um you know not the thousand pages worth of documentation but probably the uh, one or two of the site plans give people an idea of what the
4: mm-hmm.
1: site is specifically going to look like and um, and have it here for for people easily find.
0: Uh, do you anticipate any chance for the committee to weigh in on what uh, companies are bidding or what criteria we might
3: use to choose between uh, bids?
1: So, uh, that criteria is, um. Is something the construction management engineering design group of MSO um, does for for all projects really. Um, so. I don't know that we'll be adjusting any of our construction criteria. Um, That's typically an internal staff uh, selection committee. Uh, The public involvement would be when staff recommended selection goes before the city commission. Um, If there's um, disagreements with who's being selected, that's the time that the public typically gets involved in selecting construction firms, not usually before that.
4: Okay. Well, I I don't have anything further to ask or comment on at this time. Um, I assume I've
0: already given everyone an opportunity, but I'll do one last chance. Uh, Anybody on the line who hasn't
3: had a chance to ask a question or provide a comment, does anyone
4: have anything? Okay. Uh, Well,
0: next item on the agenda is then if uh, any of the PTAC members who are on the line have something that they want us to address in a future meeting. Uh, Technically, this isn't an actual meeting, but uh, Bill, Austin, Lance, uh, Lance, I know you're always in in the agenda setting session, so I'm not worried about you as much. But Bill,
3: Austin, do you have any? topics you want us to uh, address next month
4: or in December. Uh, Yeah, seeing that you're both shaking your
0: heads no. uh, Great. Uh, If you do come up with something, please feel free to email Lance, Adam and myself uh, with your ideas. We'll do your best our best to get the agenda to incorporate your uh, questions and topics which you're interested in. Um, I I jumped to other items for PTAC members, but uh, my guess is I'll give you five seconds. Does anyone have anything else they want to bring up? Kind of figured it would be nothing. Um, Adam, Andrea, Felice, if you're uh, in the room still, do you
3: have anything else that you want to bring up on transit staff items?
1: I don't believe we have anything else today.
3: Okay.
0: Well, uh, I would say that this meeting is adjourned, but it was never officially in session. So uh, we'll just have to remember for the November meeting, assuming that we do have it, that uh, we'll need to approve the uh, minutes from uh, the August session. And uh, I guess technically that we don't do minutes for this meeting. I mean, we can because we did actually discuss stuff, but it's not a formal means, so we won't have anything formally to approve. Next one, uh, we will plan on having an official meeting on November fourteenth. That's the uh, second Monday, and it's about the latest that we can actually push it to, without stretching into Thanksgiving week. So uh, please uh, make sure you're available to attend at that time. Um. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Austin, Bill, and Lance. Uh, Thank you, Adam and Andrea and Felice. Um,
3: We'll see you in November.
4: Thanks everybody. Thank you.